our top stories tonight. What a bunch of freaks we've got at the NFL Combine. My goodness, the defensive line class, the edge rushers, the de defensive tackles, just absolute monsters. We've got Kalijah Kansi running a 4.67, the fastest time since 2003 from any defensive tackle. Just an absolute monster. Nolan Smith just jumps out the gym over 41 inches on his vertical and also runs a 4.39. Those Georgia guys, they are just get fed something special. Just absolute freaks, whether it's defensive line, whether it's defensive tackle. My God, dominant, dominant defensive lineman across the board at the Combine. Byron Young from Tennessee. Adetomiwa Adabaware from Northwestern freaks, absolute freaks. The fact that Adebaware is doing it at 282 pounds and jumps out the gym, 37 and a half inch vertical. That's third at the combine. His 449 is fourth among defensive ends, and he's more of a defensive tackle at 282. Freaks across the board. And when we use freak in football, it is an absolute compliment. It is the highest regard, the most, the Biggest compliment I can give you is calling you a freak when it's on the football field. So all these guys, freak after freak after freak, just crazy athleticism. And we also have crazy drama. We've got some drama with Anthony Richardson. Not really drama. I shouldn't have said that. But Anthony Richardson, he's got the Colts, the Panthers, the Falcons, the Raiders, the Ravens, the Saints, the Patriots, the Lions, and the Giants that he has already met with. Anthony Richardson, people want Anthony Richardson and people want quarterbacks. That's why the first overall pick for sale by the Chicago bears, the third overall pick for sale by the Arizona Cardinals, the Texans clearly willing to trade up one spot as we just, or as we have heard earlier, it's going to be a wild, wild ride and some wild actual drama across the NFL. We've got AJ Brown versus Juju Smith Schuster. They are feuding right now. AJ Brown, sending some DMs and posting them. We also have some drama between Rashad Bateman and general manager of the Baltimore Ravens, Eric DaCosta. They are going at it. Rashad Bateman also deleted his tweets, but he is unhappy. We have Evan Engram, who is very happy with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's expected to get franchise tagged. We have Chris Jones from the Kansas City Chiefs, who is expected to become the second highest paid defensive tackle in the NFL, or at least that's what he is asking for. We've got Draymond Jones, the Denver Broncos free agent, who's looking to command 60 to $70 million per year, likely out of Denver. Cameron Brait has been cut. Alvin Kamara has pled not guilty and will have a trial July 31st. And we've got a preview of the Minnesota Vikings. All that and much, much more on Player Profiler today. So like I said, it is a crazy amount of news across the league. Happy to have all of our friends tuning in live. Joey two times, the Harry Snowman, and Kevin. And if you're listening to the podcast, you can listen to this live on YouTube every night at 7 p.m. Eastern, seven days a week. But for you in the audience, in the YouTube chat, we also have launched a podcast now. You can listen to me in your headphones on your way to work, the morning commute. Listen to me on the podcast. Listen to us on the YouTube channel because Player Profiler is expanding. You want to get in early. You can get the all-in package now, $120 
for $180 value with promo code Jack when you sign up. You get the Dynasty Deluxe, you get the DFS Dominator, you get our player rankings, you get everything that I have access to. Everything that I use, you will have access to with the all-in package for employerprofiler.com. You can find the link in the description. Use promo code Jack when you sign up because you'll want to get in while the getting is good with Player Profiler and the getting is good at the Combine. Anthony Richardson. Everybody wants Anthony Richardson. And now everyone also wants Bryce Young. Everyone wants CJ Stroud. Lots of teams are going to want Will Levis. But Anthony Richardson, like I said, he's met with the Indianapolis Colts. He's met with the Carolina Panthers. He's met with the Atlanta Falcons. He's met with the Las Vegas Raiders. He's met with the Baltimore Ravens. He's met with the New Orleans Saints. He's met with the New England Patriots. He's met with the Detroit Lions. And he's met with the Giants, New York Giants. Anthony Richardson is in high demand. Lots of teams are intrigued by the raw upside of Anthony Richardson. He has a cannon for an arm, but he also has arm talent. He can feather those passes in. He can give a little bit of touch. Anthony Richardson can do it all. He just doesn't have the refinement. He doesn't have a ton of snaps. He doesn't have the footwork. These are things that can be worked through in time. And that's why I said last night, I hope he goes to the Detroit Lions. That would be the perfect situation, but wouldn't necessarily be bad with some of these other teams as long as a veteran is signed or they have a backup option or someone else to start because you cannot throw Anthony Richardson to the Wolves. It's a recipe for disaster, but Anthony Richardson has all the upside in the world and he's going to be a hot commodity come draft night. And so are these defensive tackles. My goodness. I would love you to do a breakdown of just Anthony Richardson from Kevin in the chat. We'll get to that later. We'll get to that closer to draft season. We'll get to that after the combine has been done. We'll talk all sorts of Anthony Richardson. But for now, defensive tackles. These guys are going to be in high demand. Same with the, the defensive ends. At defensive tack, we had six defensive tackles run sub 540. Kalaji Kansi, 467. That is the fastest run by a defensive tackle since 2003, the fast, second fastest defensive tackle 40 of all time. He didn't do any of the jumps because when you run four, six, seven, you're good. You're good as a defensive tackle. You don't need to jump. You don't need to do the agility. You are good. You have made your way into the first round, more than likely. Brian Breesey, Bressy, 486. Zach Pickens, 489. Jalen Redmond, 481. Dante Stills, 485. And Jervon Dexter, 488. Those are the six defensive tackles that went sub five in the 40. And we also had four defensive tackles jump above 30 inches in the vertical. Again, we had Jalen Redmond. Jalen Redmond tied for first in the vertical, or sorry, he had first in the vertical with a 34 and a half inch vertical. He was also one of those defensive tackles to run sub five. And he tied for first in broad jump with a nine foot eight broad jump. Jalen Redmond made himself some money today with his athletic testing. Moro Ajomo, he is one of the other defensive tackles to jump above 30 inches in the vertical. Just missed out on that sub 540 mark. Ran a 504, still great. Fourth in broad jump at nine foot four. Moro Ajomo out of Texas, we like him as well. Just missed this cutoff. Jervon Dexter, though, he broke five in the 40. He went 31 inches in the vertical. Also a nine foot two broad jump. Jervon Dexter made himself some money out of Florida and Zach Pickens nine foot eight broad jump tied with Jalen Redmond, 30 and a half inch vertical. And he also broke the five 
second mark in the 40-yard dash. Zach Pickens, Jervon Texter, Jalen Redmond, Kalijah Cansey, and Brian Bresse. Breesy freaks. And at defensive end, Nolan Smith. These Georgia guys. These Georgia guys are just monsters. We're going to see it from Darnell Washington soon enough. I cannot wait to hear what Cody has to say about Darnell Washington. But my goodness, Nolan Smith, 41 and a half inch vertical. That was first among all defensive ends. A 10 foot eight broad jump. That was third among defensive ends. And a 43940 at 230 plus pounds. Nolan Smith absolute freak off the edge and he was Cody's Mr. Sunshine Mr. Energy Bunny Nolan Smith made himself some money in the athletic testing I'm sure he made himself some money when it comes to the interviews Nolan Smith what a showing Byron Young second in the vertical at 38 inches tied for first in the broad jump 11 foot and I love when I get to see defensive tackles and defensive ends in the broad jump if you can top 10 foot in the broad jump, that is going to go a long way in my eyes. Because think about it. Broad jump is all about explosiveness, that first step. That's why we like the 10-yard split for the 40 for these defensive linemen. Also love the broad jump for this reason. So when Nolan Smith, when he goes 10 foot 8, when Byron Young goes over 11 feet in the broad jump, love it. Absolutely love it. And Byron Young, second in the 42. 4 four, three. Adatomiwa Adaboare, he ran 4.49 again at 282 pounds. He is classified as a defensive end. If they moved him into combine, that would be the best NFL defensive tackle 40-yard dash that we have ever seen. And he's right on that borderline. He's a tweener guy. Adatomiwa Adaboare, cannot wait to see him on draft night. 10-foot-5 broad jump. 37 and a half inch vertical that is third among defensive ends. And he is built like a defensive tackle freaks freaks across the board. And also an 11 foot broad jump from Will McDonald, the fourth out of Iowa state, just another Iowa state defensive end or just Iowa state guy in general to drool over. We had Brees Hall. We had Brock Purdy. Now we get Will McDonald and we get Hercules. We get Lucas Van Ness. He shows out now his explosiveness. Not what I would love to see. A 9-foot-10 broad jump, that's fine. But like I said, I would love to see a 10-foot-plus broad jump. Just show that explosiveness. The 31-inch vertical is fine as well. Top 30 in the vertical, I'd like to see that. I'd like more. Prefer for my defensive ends to be in the 35 range. But that's all right, because he ran a 4-5-8. And his nickname's Hercules. Lucas Van Ness never started a game at Iowa, because Iowa's weird. They defer to the veterans, even though, hey, yeah, you're going to be playing starter snaps because you're our best defensive end, but you're not going to start because you're too young. That's silly. It's probably why Iowa is not always competitive, why they're kind of a middling team. But I digress. Combine has been absolutely insane so far, as has the drama around the NFL. A.J. Brown versus Juju Smith-Schuster. A.J. Brown tweets Juju at Team Juju. You really need to find you somebody else to play with. Don't let that ring get you beat to F up. T-F up. Because I'm with all that dumb she. I'm not going to speak on it no more. And then a couple minutes, 10, 15 minutes later, he tweets again. He posts an Instagram direct message with Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't play them games, kid. 
If you want to see me, I'm with it. You better go to Cabo and enjoy your ring and stop effing with me. Leave me off your TikTok she pussy. <laughs> AJ Brown, come on, man. This is social media. Come on. You can never get upset about what someone says on social media. There is not a thing that anyone could say to me on social media that would actually upset me. You can say some hurtful things, but at the end of the day, it's Twitter. It's TikTok. It's YouTube. It's not going to hurt my feelings that some nameless, faceless person said something I didn't like. And for AJ Brown, the fact that it's Juju Smith-Schuster, and it wasn't even that bad. It was just this weird kidnapping video with Juju. I, I couldn't even watch the whole thing. I tried. People are saying this is why Juju is in hot water with AJ Brown. I tried to watch it, and it was just so cringe that I, I couldn't. I couldn't get through it. And that's what is causing you to send threats to Juju Smith-Schuster, A.J. Brown. I, I don't like that. That is, that's weak. That is weak mentality. And then to post it, I don't like it. What I do like, though, is Rashad Bateman airing his grievances with his employer on Twitter. I know that's not the proper thing to do. I find it hilarious, though, and it's good content, good drama. And it's a lot better than what A.J. Brown did, because this is just silly beef. With Rashad Bateman, Rashad Bateman took issue with Eric DeCosta talking about how they've never really hit on an all-pro type of guy at wide receiver, which is disappointing because it's not for lack of effort. We're, we're trying, as the Baltimore Ravens, we're trying to get our wide receivers right. We're trying to figure everything out. We're trying our best. It, it, it just hasn't worked. And that didn't sit well with Rashad Bateman. And of course, this is something that should be brought up in-house. You're not going to hear me criticizing my employer. Well, maybe you might. You might hear me complain about my dad at the funeral home, but that whole other story. But Rashad Bateman tweets, how about you play to your player's strengths and stop pointing the finger at us and number eight? So Rashad Bateman is on Lamar Jackson's side. Blame the one who, blame the one you let do this. We take heat 24-7 and keep us healthy. Care about us and see what happens. Ain't no promises, though. Tired of y'all lying and capping players for no reason. And this is something that I've touched on. This is something that I have said. The fact that, oh, Lamar Jackson, well, he's hurt. Oh, well, he, he could have come back early. He could have come back early, but he didn't want to. He's saving himself. This is not, not something the Baltimore Ravens said directly, but this is a rumor that started, and it's a rumor the Baltimore Ravens did not quash until after the season, after playoffs were over. They could have said, Lamar Jackson has a grade two bordering on grade three PCL strength. Lamar Jackson might need surgery. And people would have accepted that. Okay, well, Lamar Jackson will be back when he's back. But no, they didn't do that. And they didn't do it with Ronnie, St Ronnie Stanley either. When Ronnie Stanley hurt his ankle, oh, well, you know, he doesn't want to play. He just doesn't want to come back. No, he's not healthy. They did it with Derek Wolf. Derek Wolf retired rather than enter the care of the Ravens doctors once again. Time after time, since Ozzie Newsom has retired, things are going weird with the Baltimore Ravens. All these rumors come out, all this negative press, and the Ravens do nothing to quash it. They just let their players get slandered in the media. And that's not okay. Rashad Bateman's not okay with it. He's over it. Rashad Bateman is an alpha. As we've seen, just because you have drama on Twitter does not make you less of an alpha. A.J. Brown had... Plenty of fiery tweets at the Tennessee Titans, and those were valid at the time. 
this juju thing that I don't necessarily agree with, but criticisms to more the criticisms towards the Baltimore Ravens are valid because we saw this survey, all 32 teams, people went out and over, it was an average of 40 players per team survey of basically everything, how they take care of the players, the meals, everything. And Baltimore high, high marks and everything except their strength and conditioning, which has now been replaced, fired their strength and conditioning coach. But you hear Quincy Adeboyeo, he comes out and says that he played through a PCL tear because he was a bubble guy and he was told, hey, you're practicing. Sorry, get cut or practice. And also said that the strength staff didn't like the training staff. The people healing the injuries did not like the people working you out. And then we had Mike Davis come out and say, I agree. I agree with Rashad Bateman. Crazy, crazy things happen across the NFL. So much drama, but not all of it's drama. Some of it is just good business. Evan Engram gets the franchise tag and he's happy with it. Evan Engram's going to continue to work on a long-term deal with the Jacksonville Jaguars. But if he doesn't sign one, he's happy. He just wants to be back in Jacksonville. He wants to be there long-term. Doesn't work out where he signs long-term this offseason, that's okay. He'll wait another offseason. Chris Jones wants to work on his contract. He has another year left on it, but Chris Jones wants to become the highest second paid, the second highest paid defensive tackle in the NFL behind Aaron Jones. Draymond Jones, the defensive tackle from the Denver Broncos, he wants to make 60 to $7 million, $70 million this offseason. Likely means he is out with the Denver Broncos. They're probably not going to bring him back at that price tag. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers don't bring back Cameron Brait at his price tag. Cut Cameron Brait. They have Kate Otten as their tight end one. They have uh, Co Keefe, another rookie, as their tight end two. Save either two or four million dollars. Cameron Brait depends if he's a pre or post June first cut. And Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara has pled not guilty to the assault charges that he faces in Vegas from the Pro Bowl. He set trial on July 1st, and we'll see what happens. Likely means Alvin Kamara's discipline will come this year, though, is what we would expect. So because he has a trial, we'll likely see it all play out before the NFL season. We do. Then we'll know if Kamara is suspended. That was a big thing last offseason. Is Alvin Kamara going to be suspended? Is he going to be active? When's it going to happen? And never did, but he knew it was always coming. And we know what's coming for the Minnesota Vikings. We know that the Minnesota Vikings, I'm sorry to say for all those who don't like Kirk Cousins, but the Minnesota Vikings are going to sign him long-term. The Minnesota Vikings, they're in bad cap space right now. They are minus $24 million in cap space. Kirk Cousins, with an extension, can free up to $23 million. So there's all sorts of cuts that can be made. There's all sorts of restructures that can happen. But to go from minus 24 million to minus 1 million, all you got to do is sign Kirk Cousins long-term. And this is the best thing for the Minnesota Vikings because Kirk's in the last year of his deal. And you could let him play it out. You really could. There are ways to not give Kirk Cousins an extension and still figure out the cap. But you've got Justin Jefferson. And so if you are trying to sign Justin Jefferson long-term, 
but you're not going to let him know who his quarterback's going to be. How's that going to work? You cannot afford to piss off Justin Jefferson. You need to ensure that Justin Jefferson is going to have a viable quarterback for every year of his career. And of course, Kirk Cousins, he's not perfect. We've seen Justin Jefferson get frustrated with Kirk Cousins, but all-star wide receivers like that get frustrated with their QB at times. It happens. It's the way of the NFL right now. It comes in cycles. We had the, the divas with Chad Ochocinco. Then it was quiet guys like Andre Johnson, Julio Jones. Now, a little bit back to the diva side, but not as extreme. And Justin Jefferson lets Kirk know on the sideline when he's, when he's frustrated. It's just a thing. But still, it's better that way than having no clue who your quarterback is. Better that than, hey, Kirk, one-year deal and we're drafting Anthony Richardson. Well, Justin Jefferson might say, hold up. Do I want to tie myself to a rebuild, to a new quarterback? One that I don't know, one that I don't trust. I don't know about that. So Kirk Cousins, he's going to be signed long-term. The Minnesota Vikings have said as much. And in the NFL, there are a couple options. Number one, you have Patrick Mahomes, and then you're set. Number two, you have a guy that can compete with Patrick Mahomes at a similar or higher price tag, because Patrick Mahomes is still making a pretty respectable, pretty solid deal for the Kansas City Chiefs, $45 million. Guy's making $50 million now. Or you have a guy that you pay like Patrick Mahomes, but isn't Patrick Mahomes. And that's been Kirk Cousins at times. But right now, Mahomes making $45 million, Kirk making $35. You give Kirk a raise to, let's say, $38 million, and that's still not bad. That's still... Patrick Mahomes' deal is still insane, but at some point he'll redo it to be in the ballpark of Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. But for now, eh, it's it it's good enough. The $35 million to $40 million tier of quarterbacks, the B tier, the Kirk Cousins, the Jared Goff, that is perfect for them as that second tier. That's all right. And if the Minnesota Vikings can work that out, it's a good thing. So how do they figure things out alongside Kirk Cousins or even without Kirk Cousins. They can cut Adam Thielen. If they, it's a brief June 1st cut, $6.4 million is saved. If it's a post June 1st cut, $13.4 million is are saved. They would like Adam Thielen to stay. He's going to have to take a pay cut. It doesn't seem like Adam Thielen wants to take a pay cut, which means Adam Thielen's going to take a cut. Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook, if it's a post-June 1st cut, they save $9 million. If it's a pre-June 1st cut, they save $5.9 million. Either way, Dalvin Cook, that's a lot of money to pay for a running back on a team that doesn't have money. And for a running back that is going to be 29, 28 years old with shoulder injuries, you could re-sign Alexander Madison for a lot cheaper. Eric Kendrick, he is probably gone. Eric Kendricks, the inside linebacker, nine and a half million dollars to cut him. That is most likely going to happen. It's unfortunate, but these overpriced veterans on defense, you're going to have to make decisions. Jordan Hicks, who played inside linebacker beside Eric Kendricks, say $5 million by cutting him. It's more than likely they keep one of them. It's more than likely they keep Jordan Hicks. And then Brian Osmoa, third round linebacker that they drafted athletic freak as well out of Oklahoma. 
He slides in next to Jordan Hicks more than likely, and they should be fine. Save $9.5 million in cap space. They can also make some moves with Brian O'Neill. And it's tough to imagine the Minnesota Vikings just outright cutting a quality all-pro. Is he an all-pro? He's been a pro bowler for sure. Either way, Brian O'Neill is a good offensive tackle, and he's young. They can cut him pre-June 1st, save $5.2 million. Post-June 1st, save $14.9 million because Brian O'Neill did partially tear his Achilles. He's not going to start the season. He'll be late in the year. He could miss the whole season, how these Achilles injuries sometimes go. But he's still a quality offensive lineman, or you could restructure him at $10 million. That seems much more attractive. Same with Harrison Smith. A post-June 1st cut, $15.2 million are freed up by cutting Harrison Smith. Pre-June 1st, that's $7.4 million. Or you restructure Harrison Smith instead, save $9 million, much preferable. So ultimately, what I think the Minnesota Vikings do, they get down to minus $1 million by extending Kirk Cousins. They add another $8.5 million. So they're $8.5 million in the green now by cutting Eric Kendricks. They restructure Brian O'Neill. Let's put it at $9 million. They don't have to do the full 10, but... Eight plus nine, that's $17 million. Then you throw in another $9 million for Harrison Smith. Let's put it at $7 million. Maybe they don't restructure the whole thing. We go from 17 to 24. Vikings now have $24 million. All they had to do was cut Eric Kendricks, sign Kirk Cousins, and then they restructure Brian O'Neill and Harrison Smith. Maybe O'Neill takes a pay cut even because of his injury. And that's without even touching Zadaria Smith, the edge rusher. They can save $4.9 million in a restructure for him. $12 million by cutting Zadaria Smith. And then there's, then there's TJ Hawkinson. I believe that the Vikings will extend TJ Hawkinson. They traded a second round pick for him. Clearly they like him. Kirk Cousins, big fan of TJ Hawkinson. Save $6.5 million on an extension for Hawkinson. So the Vikings have moves that they can make. The number one move is extending Kirk Cousins to a long-term deal. And I know it's controversial. I know a lot of people hate Kirk Cousins, but this is the right move for the Minnesota Vikings. Extend Kirk Cousins at a mid-tier deal, save some cap, and build your team different than some of these star quarterback teams. You don't need... Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or some of these guys to win a Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford. What's stopping Kirk Cousins from being Matthew Stafford? Stafford has a bigger arm. Kirk Cousins is more careful, but they can do similar things. Remember, Matthew Stafford for years carried a terrible defense in Detroit. Kirk Cousins just did that. One of the worst defenses in the NFL. Kirk Cousins carried. Carried the whole season. He wasn't perfect. Kirk Cousins is never going to be perfect, but he could do a hell of a lot worse. And at what the potential price tag is going to be for quarterback that carried you so far, Kirk Cousins is worth it. And looking at the free agents, they're in pretty good shape. They need a backup quarterback. Nick Mullins is a free agent. 
They got to figure out running back because if they cut Dalvin Tomlinson, Alexander Madison's also a free agent, so that'd be Kenny and Wongwu and Tykevius Chandler in the backfield. More than likely, I imagine if they cut Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison is back. Olabisi Johnson is a free agent, but didn't play for them at all last year after tearing his ACL. Irv Smith is a free agent, suffered a high ankle sprain, missed a large portion of the season, and TJ Hawkinson stepped up to replace him. Missing Garrett Bradbury, the starting center, and backup center Austin Schlotman, both free agents. Both free agents that I don't think the Minnesota Vikings are going to be sad to see leave. I have heard for years the Minnesota Vikings fan base complain about how bad Garrett Bradbury was, and he just had his best season and was better than Austin Schlotman, but still not good. Dalvin Tomlinson's the interesting one, the interesting free agent, because Tomlinson... He was supposed to already have his contract voided, but he wants to stay in Minnesota. So he pushed back the void date on his contract. The Vikings will still face dead money no matter what. I believe it's $3.5 million if Dalvin Tomlinson re-signs. If not, it'll be $6.5 million, which isn't a lot, but they'd rather save that free $3 million by reaching a deal with Dalvin Tomlinson. They want him to stay. Tomlinson wants to stay. This seems more than likely to happen, but. The big question marks in the secondary. Cornerback one, Patrick Peterson. He's a free agent. Cornerback two-ish, Duke Shelley came over from the Chicago Bears. He was a slot, slot corner for the Chicago Bears. Hit and miss, very up and down, but he's not built to be a slot corner. He's a press man corner on the outside, struggled in the slot, comes to Minnesota, and through injuries to Cameron Dantzler, Duke Shelley ends up in the starting lineup. And he plays pretty damn well. He wants to be back in Minnesota too. So I imagine he does resign. I think Patrick Peterson's likely on his way out. Patrick Peterson at his advanced age is more of a zone corner now. And Chandon Sullivan, the slot corner, more than likely going to walk. But that's all right. Vikings are in a good position either way. You look at their offense. It is going to be a lot of returning starters. Vikings have a lot of the same guys, a lot of the same players that brought them to be the number one, not number one offense, but top five, number three offense with a terrible defense. Kirk Cousins is back. Dalvin Cook is back, probably replaced. Alexander Madison, probably the replacement. Slight drop off, but if running back is where you take the hit, that's okay. Can always draft one. Vikings will be fine there. Justin Jefferson's back. Adam Thielen's back for now. I do think he gets cut, but again, Vikings can draft his replacement. They have Jalen Naylor, a player that they drafted late last year, who they actually kind of like out of Michigan State, I believe Jalen Naylor was from. Or KJ Osborne. He's what will actually happen. KJ Osborne moves into that Z position and Jalen Naylor, Jalen Rager, Jalen Naylor, one of the two in the slot or draft or sign someone that's a preferable option if Jalen Rager is the wide receiver three they are in trouble if Jalen Naylor's the wide receiver three I'll believe it's because he earned it but they'll have to address that offensive line they'll have to address center but this is something the Vikings would want of a to a this is something that Vikings fans wanted to address even when Garrett Bradbury was there Garrett Bradbury is small he's undersized and it never worked with the Minnesota Vikings. And the NFC North 
He got bullied by Kenny Clark with the Green Bay Packers. Got bullied by Snacks Harrison for a couple years in, with the Detroit Lions. Didn't work out. Ezra, Ezra Cleveland at left guard. Not working out either. He is undersized. He's really a left tackle. That's what he played back at Boise State. Didn't work out. Hasn't worked out. He's fine. If he's a starter next year, he's not going to be the worst starter. Ed Engram's worse than him, but Engram's at least a true guard. Engram can develop. He's got the anchor to him. Ezra Cleveland, Garrett Bradbury, just too small on the interior. Vikings want to build a bully on that offensive line. And that's going to be good for them. Kirk Cousins has more protection. Justin Jefferson has more time to get open. All good things coming to the Minnesota Vikings if they can address the interior of this offensive line, beef it up a little bit, and figure out what their plan at running back is. But it's not going to be an expensive plan. What, you pay Alexander Madison $3, 4000000 million a year to be your starter? You draft someone in a deep running back class? Or you don't re-sign Alexander Madison, and you just draft a running back. You get B. John Robinson with the Minnesota Vikings. Whew! Imagine that. And on the defense... This is a defense that was terrible. The Minnesota Vikings were absolutely dreadful on defense, but it's not for pure lack of talent because Danielle Hunter, he is still a fantastic edge rusher, still has the juice. Daniel Hunter is fine. The problem is you drop him into coverage twice a game because we run a 3-4 now with Ed Donatel. That's not going to be the case with Brian Flores. Zadarius Smith not going to be dropping into the coverage either. These are going to be aggressive pass rushes. Brian Flores loves to get aggressive, loves to blitz, but controlled blitzes, calculated blitzes. He likes to rattle the quarterback, but at the same time, he's not just going to blitz for the sake of blitzing. He's going to show fake blitzes. He is going to make this Vikings defense better just by the sheer fact that his pass rushers will be pass rushing. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought that having your edge rushers drop into coverage would be a bad idea? Dalvin Tomlinson, hopefully he re-signs. Nose tackle, Kairi Tonga. He played well towards the end of the year. He was a free agent that they picked up off of the Bears practice squad. Harrison Phillips, eh. They need to beef up the interior of the defensive line, much like they need to beef up the interior of the offensive line. They have to figure out linebacker. Eric Kendricks likely on his way out, which would mean Brian Osamoa. Athletic freak. He joins Jordan Hicks, and that's fine. Cameron Dantzler, he's going to now be cornerback one, cornerback two, Duke Shelley instead of Patrick Peterson. That's okay. You still need to address the position, but you've also got Andrew Booth, who you drafted last year. You've got a Caleb Evans, who you drafted last year. So Vikings have upside at cornerback. If they re-sign Duke Shelley and let Patrick Peterson walk, they're really going to look a lot like the Detroit Lions did this past year, and Again, that was mixed results at the cornerback position, but I'm not saying you have to stop there. That's just entering the season. Draft more guys. You can sign more guys. Vikings will be fine in the secondary. Brian Flores will love Harrison Smith, which is, again, one of the things I'm most excited for with the Minnesota Vikings is Brian Flores. And we, at Player Profiler, we don't like to coach worship. That'll get you in trouble a lot of... We don't like to coach worship because that will get you in trouble a lot of times. But when you go from Ed Donatel, who didn't know how to use his players to their strengths, 
This is again where coaching matters. When you have a bad coach who tries to force a square peg into a round hole, that is when coaching negatively impacts your team. And so when you go from someone who's hurting your team by saying, we're a 3-4 defense, Daniel Hunter dropping into coverage, Darius Smith dropping into coverage because we're a 3-4 defense. This is what we do. Harrison Smith, you're going to play deep safety because this is a two-shell defense. This is what we do. That is bad business. That is bad coaching. That doesn't work. So now, when you have Brian Flores, who is one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL, but even if he wasn't, the fact that Brian Flores is someone that will work with his coaches, work with his players, try to get them to the best of their ability, highlight their strengths, that's going to help the Miami Dolphins, or not the Miami Dolphins, still upset about that. Brian Flores is going to help the Minnesota Vikings defense just by not being Ed Donatel. That's the first upgrade. And the second upgrade is by highlighting his players and only asking them to do things that they are capable of. That's a Bill Belichick staple. And this is what gets lost so many times from the Bill Belichick disciples. Get Matt Patricia coming over to New England. You get Bill O'Brien coming over to Houston. All of these Bill Belichick guys. The only one who actually learned what Bill Belichick's overarching message is as a coach is Mike Vrabel. Because Mike Vrabel is able to, like Belichick, say, hey, you can't do this. You can't. And that's okay. You don't need to. You don't need to drop your 250-pound defensive end in coverage just because you run a 3-4 defense. That's stupid. You don't need to ask your man-corner cornerbacks to play zone. That's stupid. Harrison Smith, one of the best blitzing safeties in the NFL that we've seen for years with Mike Zimmer. You don't ask him to just sit back in a deep cover two shell. That's stupid. That's not highlighting your players to the best of their abilities. That is hurting your team. And so I'm really excited to see how this defense improves with Brian Flores. I'm really excited to see what this offense looks like if they can beef up the interior of the offensive line just a little bit. Because when you downgrade at running back but upgrade the offensive line, that is a net win. When you get rid of coaches who just, this is my system because this is my system and we're going to do this because that's what we do, that's a win. And so the Minnesota Vikings, they're easy to clown on. They're a cursed franchise. They've got Kirk two chains, three chains, four chains, five chains. However many chains Kirk Cousins have, it's easy to make fun of the Minnesota Vikings. But everything we've seen from the Minnesota Vikings this offseason, they're a team to root for in 2023.